HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by TechServe, New York's original and still the best Apple computer, iPod, and iPhone store and repair shop. For more information, visit TechServe.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. We talk about food. We talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes.
Welcome to Snacky Tunes. I am one half your host, Greg Bresnitz. That was just Callers, track your finest. We'll be playing live today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. You can keep eating. It's okay. It's a, it's a general pause. Um, but first off, Ray, welcome back to the show. Happy to be here. Uh, you've been busy? <laughs> yes, definitely. First, first off, congratulations on the new shop. Thank you. Mom loves it. I'm glad um, I And I ate a sandwich there last week. And it was packed. What, what did you have? What do you think? I, I just... Well, I was with mom, so I didn't want to like get the whole smoked meat poutine because I feel like that's embarrassing to eat in front of anybody. <laughs> yeah. That's more like a shame corner type of meal or a hangover type of meal. So I just got a nice little sandwich and a seltzer. Where do you get your seltzer from? We have it on tap there at the sandwich shop. It was one of the things with the tiny deli space that we were never able to do and one of the first things that we planned for the counter space at sandwich. So we have, we have a tap and you know it's, it's some of the best seltzer it's around. Amazing. I mean, it's a dying art. It is. It is. It's, it's actually, you know, the, the guy who installed it for us has been, you know, working in the city, making seltzer for decades. It's one of those things where, like, you would never think about it, but it was a massive industry that just kind of got, like, lost along the... You're, you can make noise. It's fine. Yeah, you're good. Um, but, yeah, it's amazing. So, but, I mean, the store was gangbusters, and it was, you know, I didn't really get, like, a good sense of it when you had the cookbook release party, but so nice how it's laid out. That, who made that table? We work with, with our friends who we had actually designed the, the deli with as well. So um, uh, Bill Mowat and Sean Arrowsmith. Uh, Bill has a studio here in Greenpoint, actually not too far away. It's awesome. Thank you. Anyway, congratulations. Yeah. I mean, big, big week. And also, let's talk cookbook, which I just threw right here. First off, illustrations are awesome. I love the embossed cover. It's amazing. Shout out to the illustrator. Yeah, so Claudia Pearson is a local illustrator. She lives in Fort Greene, and uh, we worked with her to come up with some images of our favorite foods that are included in the book. So everything from the smoked meat to the lox to the challah, the matzo ball soup um, appears on the cover. I mean, this book is kind of killing me because this is all my favorite food, and I'm also really hungry. But, um, you know, everyone opens a restaurant and they go, oh. You know, maybe we should do a cookbook, but like what kind of tip the scales for you to be like, we should really like now's the time for us to write, write one. That's a good question. When we were first approached about the project, we weren't sure that it was the right time. Initially, we were like, oh, are are we ready to write a cookbook? Does it make sense for us? And. Um, the people that we met with said, you know, why don't you go home and, and think about the recipes that you might include and maybe put, put together a list because we were like, if it has to be 100 recipes, do we even have that many? And once well, they, they gave you a specific number? Usually, yeah, yeah, 100 recipes was our target, okay. and that's what, what it ultimately ended up being. And, and when we started making that list, it like came to more than 300, and we were like, oh. <laughs> I guess we have a few. I, yeah, I guess we have something to start with. So, um, of course, we pared it back from there. But What, was, what would have been 101? What was the one that you're like, I guess we'll cut it? We unfortunately had to cut a bunch because, you know, we only had 224 pages to work with, and in the end, that that's not all that much, so trying to think of the last few that got trimmed away but we we have a lot of condiments and sort of like layered ingredients mm-hmm. in the book so some of those ended up coming off this is killing me the mount royale two latkes smoked salmon creme fraiche and chives like do you make this in this yep one? that's a brunch brunch item on the weekends oh my God. it's amazing one of um, my favorites i mean this looks like uh just a perfect this looks like winter like perfect winter so what are the i mean and the other thing about here is I always like about cookbooks, like they kind of give away some of the trade secrets a little bit. Well, for us, I mean, 
I think Delhi has for so long been about secrets. It's for so long been about this competition and like not necessarily knowing what goes on behind the scenes. And since we opened, Noah and I have been very, very transparent about our processes. And, you know, we're all about collaboration with some of the, the new Delhi guys that are opening across the country. So we, we felt strongly about, you know, putting the recipes out there for everyone to, to use and enjoy. Who are some of the Delhi guys that you're most excited about? Well, we're actually bringing them all together this weekend, um, and uh, we can talk more about that later. But there's there's a number of sort of what David Sachs, who wrote Save the Deli, calls roots delis or um, delis that are now making everything in-house from scratch in the same way that, that, that we approach food. So there's uh, Y Sons, which is probably the newest of the bunch, opened in San Francisco, I think about eight months ago. There's um, Saul's in Berkeley. They've been around for, for a while. There's also Kenny and Zooks in Portland. Oh, I've never heard of that place. <laughs> I know you spent a lot of time out I there. I have spent a couple days out there from time to time. But, um, I mean, and, and other things, I mean, this book is great because you also have your Maven section, 12 Maven sections just across her that are pretty much experts in their field. Nikki from Russ and Daughters have been on here. But talk about the process of how you decided to include other people in your cookbook. Well, for us, the, the restaurant is very much about the community that it provides. And when we think about Jewish food and we think about the conversation surrounding Jewish food, it's not exclusive. It's very inclusive. Everyone has their opinion about the best deli sandwich they've ever had. You're telling me Jews have opinions. I, I think that's the first time I've ever heard <laughs> yeah. that. And, and that was important to us, to include various opinions and different perspectives. And, you know, the the mavens that, that are featured throughout are, are people that have really influence the way we run our business and the way we think about Jewish food. And we wanted to, to share those perspectives as well. So like you said, Nikki tells stories about, you know, the history of the, her fourth generation family appetizing shop. We have Bob McClure from McClure's Pickles, who talks about how much, why he loves pickles and, you know, some of the, the science behind making them. Um, and we have uh, Joel from Cup Brooklyn, which is in our backyard. He's a knife maker, and he talks about using your knife and caring for it. So, you know, all different aspects of, of cooking the food, eating it, and enjoying it. It's amazing. How do you do, when do you decide we're going to make this in-house or we're going to source it out? What's the, what's there, the line in the, yeah. the There's actually pretty much n- no decision there because we make everything in-house. That, that's been our, you know, the foundation of mile end from from the get-go that was actually a trick question (laughs) i mean with the exception of i'd say mustard and a handful of other things like dairy products we we make everything from the meats the breads the pickles in-house i mean so you and you and noah um who is your husband and the other owner of mile end came up from two different jewish backgrounds so when you were figuring out a recipe obviously your flavor profile i mean although in the same universe we'll say probably same state how do you decide, you know, whose memories trumps the other person's memories? Well, Noah, Noah's really, you know, the, the driver of the food development. And we have, we have an incredible team that we work with um, at the deli and at the sandwich shop and at our commissary kitchen on the Red Hook waterfront to, to come up with new dishes. And, you know, for us, it, it's very much about that collaboration, you know, to bring all of the different memories and historical influences to the table and, come up with the concept for the dish and then tweak it based on flavor and availability of ingredients. Um, amazing. All right, so we're going to play a quick song, um, and then we'll get back and we'll talk about this weekend, this quiet thing, couple things this weekend, and the book. Um, you're listening to Snacky Tunes. Uh, we have callers coming up live. 
Joe, your computer is so slow, I can't even use this thing. Yeah, I should probably get a new one. Do you have any suggestions? Oh, totally, man. You should go to TechServe. Okay, what's so good about TechServe? Well, they've got this awesome new insider program that's free when you get a new Mac with Apple Care. So you should buy your computer there because you get 50% off data transfer, free loaner computers, front-of-the-line repair privileges, an annual Mac tune-up service, backup consultation and setup, seminars, and much more. Okay, yeah, where's TechServe? It's at uh, 119 West 23rd Street in New York City. They're New York's premier authorized Apple reseller and service provider, and you should totally check out TechServe.com for more information. All right, that settles it. I'm headed to TechServe. Welcome back. Uh, we have Ray from Mile End, and at the end of the book, you have the Mile End food tour of Montreal. Wasn't well, more like a strip of Montreal, which pretty much reads like Darren and mine's childhood. Yeah. Um, tell us about the food tour. Yeah, so I mean, Mile End is a neighborhood in Montreal. It's sort of like the Lower East Side of New York City. It's where the Jews emigrated. Um, you know, at the turn of the last century, it's where a lot of the delis that we take our inspiration from are based. Um, and it's also where Noah's grandparents grew up and where we lived together before we moved to Brooklyn. So it's pretty close to our hearts. And at the back of the book, we included sort of a, a jaunt through our favorite spot. So that's everything from Beauties, which is like one of the classic which diners. I, which I'd never been to. It's a, it's a Dad, if you're listening, you <laughs> blew it. Blew it, Dad. Okay. But next the other time, ones. Next yeah, time, next make sure time. it's on your list. That's that's like the place to go for a bagel sandwich. Because, okay. of course, we have, you know, Fairmount and St. Vieter um, bagel shops in, in that tour. But they don't actually make sandwiches in those bagel shops. You can only get your, your hot bagel and then dunk it into the cream cheese on the side. Uh. But it's not like the New York style where they actually prepare you a sandwich. So you have to go to Beauties for that. And, of course, Schwartz's. Of course. But you don't have knuts on here. That's what, like, that was like the off the thing that we always got that dad was like, you know, stick it in your pocket. Let it get a little stale. <laughs> yeah, put it under the seat when you're crossing the border. Pretty much. <laughs> um, this is just, I'm just wistfully going back to like Montreal and wanting to just be back there. Oh, it's so good. Um, but it's not all cookbooks. 
You guys have two big events is coming up this weekend. Um, which one do you want to go with first? Well, we can't. Why don't we go in order? Let's maybe. go in order. So Friday night, Shabbat dinner, wine and food festival is here uh, this weekend. But you guys are kind of participating and kind of also doing your own thing. But in the way that you can pull all the chefs together, your kickoff event will be a Shabbat dinner this Friday um, at City Grit in Soho, which I don't think I've been to. Uh, tell us about the dinner. It, so City Grit is um, is a super cool space um, that's right on Prince Street and. Um, we were we were really honored to be invited to the festival and to coordinate the Shabbat dinner. And when we started thinking about how we wanted to go about it, we realized that it'd be the perfect opportunity to bring together these disparate deli people that I was talking about earlier. So we invited our friends from around the country to join us in the kitchen, and we're going to be serving a nine course meal with wine pairings on Friday night uh, this this week. As the uh is the menu secret, or can you share a little bit about the menu? Oh, it's it's totally public. It's on the website, um, and it's it's pretty intense. It's definitely going to be an awesome meal. So um, it's everything from gefilte fish the way it used to be made, actually stuffed back into the fish. Uh, we're doing a, a bone marrow matzo ball soup. Um, some of our participants are doing everything from herring that, of course, is being provided by Russ and Daughters to the Wysons guys from San Francisco, uh, going with some of the super classics like uh, pacha, which is, uh, do you know what pacha is? I, I have no idea. <laughs> it's a calves foot terrine. A what? Cal- a cow's- calves foot terrine. Oh, calves foot Okay. That sounds, how is that? It's, it's, it's awesome, actually. And it's very much, you know, something I can imagine our fair bearers in Eastern Europe eating in the shtetl, but not, not something you often see on menus here. So. I mean, I've, I've had trotters and I've gone pretty much 50-50 on how they, uh, how they taste. Mm-hmm. But I'm guessing this one is, I mean, is just, are they cooking it now? Are they cooking it down now? Yeah. going to start on Monday to eat it by Friday? Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. That's awesome. Um, and then tickets are on sale for it. And what, what type of the wine are we getting? Not all Manischewitz. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> a little bit? Definitely. Um, you know what? That's a good question. I imagine we'll do, we'll do a kiddish. Obligatory Manischewitz at the high-end Shabbat dinner. And then on to <laughs> who's doing wine for it? That's a good question as well. Oh. N- Noah's been... We ask really tough questions <laughs> yeah, on this right? show. <laughs> Noah's been coordinating that aspect. So he'd be the person to ask. And unfortunately, he's not here the moment and then um on saturday uh you are presenting it's a panel discussion talk and taste Kvetch. That, that's <laughs> what i'm calling it uh talk and taste called the future of jewish food which i mean the i mean gail simmons jordana josh Zersky, evan ken you guys david Sachs. uh like holy like i mean it's only oh i guess it's a lot how long is the talk the talk portion is going to be about two hours because we have we've we've decided on two separate panels. I mean, you get that many Jews in a room, you're going to need at least <laughs> yeah, I know. a couple of hours. We we allotted 15 minutes for Q and A after each panel, and I'm that's, nearly certain that's that not, is not be enough. enough. <laughs> that is definitely not enough. I'm um, talking about the the panel. So. Um, because we were able to invite these deli people into the city for, for this dinner, we realized that it would be a great opportunity to c- continue a conversation that started about a year and a half ago in Berkeley. Uh, Sauls had organized a deli summit where they brought us all together to discuss topics of sustainability in deli and the direction of the business. And we, we recognized that you know this weekend would provide an opportunity to, to continue that conversation. So um, the first panel is actually going to focus more around Jewish food in the home. And we have Gail Simmons 
Siemens, Jordana Rothman from Time Out, Joshua Zirsky from Time Magazine, Joe Nathan is going to be moderating. She's the ultimate Jewish cookbook maven. Um, Who's there's in your also, book? He, she is. She's one of the mavens in our book, and and Mitchell Davis as well from the James Beard Foundation. So, I mean, it the the panel is is an all star cast, and the conversation there is really going to be focused on the the trend of seeing Jewish food in restaurants, but really how that translates to the practice of preparing this food at home. And then the second panel, moderated by David Sachs, will include the deli guys who are part of the dinner. So um, they they will be addressing some of the same topics that, that were of discussion last year, but then also really looking forward to, to where deli is going. I mean, it sounds awesome and incredibly educational. And this is from 530 to 9. What time the panel start? So from 5 to 6.15, we're going to be um, taking questions as well as uh, serving drinks. We're going to do um, Morris Kitchen is, is going to be doing a, a celery seed cocktail. Um, and then we are going to have the panels from about 6.15 to 8.15 and then uh, for an hour following, we'll have a taste of pastrami from all these different kitchens. So, oh, they're all bringing. They're their own. all bringing their own house-made pastrami, and it's going to be a singular opportunity to really taste them side by side. That's amazing. Um, and where can you get tickets to this and the dinner? So the dinner is through the New York City Wine and Food Festival website. Perfect. And then futureofjewishfood.com is the best place to find tickets for the ABC Home event on Saturday. I mean, this is, I mean, if these are like the two events you hit this weekend, it's, well, I've, I mean, I'm biased, but these look incredible. Thank you. Well, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Congratulations on the book, Thank The you. New Place, This, um, and uh, tell that husband of yours we said hello. <laughs> I will. And where can people get the book? Where can they find you online, Twitter, all that good stuff? So online, mylandeli.com is our website. You can purchase the book there and then all of your other standard retailers. Um, we're on Twitter at Myland Deli, and again, uh, Future of Jewish Food is the the source for everything going on this weekend. One final question: Growing up eating Montreal bagels, I found that they never quite froze. They, like even in the freezer, they kind of just got that. Did you find that too? Well, that that's sort of the beauty of it that you can put them in the freezer and then defrost them and actually have a product that resembles the original. Yeah, I mean, and it maybe like it, it's like that you got to defrost it for like. 12 seconds in the microwave or then it goes all the way to the other side of mush i like to actually refresh it in the oven so sprinkle it with a little bit of water oh. and then put it in the oven for just a few minutes before toasting that's why we have you on the show <laughs> the uh montreal bagel rehydration maven official title sounds good um well thanks for joining us um we're gonna play a couple songs um and then we have callers live in studio thanks for being so patient guys don't follow me honey not the road you want to be on Yeah, the sky makes it sunny I know I'll be the one you gotta lean on You've got some time to spill And shine what you think you may want See, you got the nerve Old enough to be so kind If I need a little rabbit hole Too dark for believing in lies Lies, lies Oh, stand up and fight Stand up and fight Stand up and fight Fight, fight Oh, the 
studio very patient you guys are very very patient we have callers ryan and sarah welcome to the show thank you hey how's it going good um tell us a little bit about yourself tell us a fun fact a fun fact we the last time that i was in this room dan barber was on his way to take our table and we got coerced into coming to the radio station to have 100 drinks 100 yeah (laughs) That's a lot of drinks. It was, it was a lot of drinks. That's a lot of drinks. We had a lot of drinks and in I think room. one of the owners or managers convinced our band member to put, put some mint mouth drops in his eyes. In his eye. He had, just, he had just come back from Tokyo and was really excited about this. I've, I've done those. Um, and it's my, uh, one of my coworkers is uh, Japanese. And she's like, I was like, my eyes. She's like, well, I have some butt. And I was like, just getting, I was like, what, did, what is this? <laughs> What is she's like? Well, I was trying to tell you. It's like, it's like menthol. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, it's, it's hell on your. It's bl- hell blindness in your they, eyes. They smelled wonderful. The best my eyeballs have ever smelled <laughs> in the history of my eyeballs. Um, welcome to the show. Hi. Um, big week this week. Uh, something's coming out. New record. You know, just an average week. Yeah. <laughs> you know, true. but we'll get to that in a second. Um, what I'm excited about is that you guys kind of got your foundations in New Orleans, which I went to the first time this year and loved the city. And my first question is, why did you leave New Orleans? It's awesome. It's true. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's my favorite city in, in the U.S., uh, but it's really hard. I mean, I, I hope that I end up back there and live my later years out. One of those stay. cities. Yeah, but it's, it's really hard to do certain things there unless you know if, if you give yourself over to that city it will embrace you and you can live a very amazing happy wonderful life but if you're trying to do something new or something outside of the traditions that exist there it's not impossible but it's difficult nothing n- not saying anything bad about the city i think that's what one of the things that makes it actually a wonderful place to be but it's it's hard to do what we do there i don't think that's a bad thing i think that's like you know certain new york embraces the new right yeah. it's kind of like if you're new and you're fresh. It's like the open arms. But some places are traditions or they have their ways and like, that's fine. You just got to leave. Yeah. I mean, and it's, I mean, I think that's something that makes that city so incredible. But you also have to leave to be able to come back. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Um, if I were to go back to New Orleans, what is the one place I have to go eat? Because there were so many good food places there. It like was overwhelming. You know, one place off the beaten path. Well, not even off the beaten path, but it's just not the general, like, you know, you're not going to get a po' boy, you're not going to get crawfish. But there's a place called Lola's on Esplanade, um, right across from where the old Whole Foods used to be. Uh, But it's a Spanish place, and they have 
the best paella I've ever had in my life, even including traveling all over Spain. And and still, somehow, this spot has my favorite paella. Sarah? My favorite thing in the whole world is crawfish. And my favorite thing in the whole world is crawfish. And I love the, I can't remember the name of the fisherman um, on the corner of Magazine in Louisiana, across from the Louis- the music store. Oh, yeah, 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 I can't yeah, remember yeah. the name. The Blue and White Building. Yeah. I, if you can go to the fisherman's stand at the corner of Louisiana and Magazine, Lower Dar- Garden District, and just get a paper brown bag full of crawfish and walk down the street. Yeah, the shit out of it. That sounds awesome. And, I, you know, places that are just at corners that don't have names are, like, probably even better than places that, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, just go to blah, blah, blah. It's like, find the guy with the one eye, <laughs> the rolled up pant leg, and the overalls. That's that's amazing. <laughs> so you came here. I mean, it's been a while. I mean, Well, we moved to Providence first for two years. Right. And then we came to New York. So. We've been here six years now. We've been here for six years. Yeah. What brought you to Providence from New Orleans? I had a lot of musical friends there that I played with and great music and a great we use we work with a great studio up there uh, that we went Na- back to name check machines with magnets and those guys are in your band now right they yep. are now yeah how did that how does that happen magic <laughs> well, that is actually an excellent answer <laughs> it was not know yeah they, um, they but just, if you were to explain how magic we, works we went up there to do this record that's coming out tomorrow, tomorrow, Reviver. We went up there starting last fall to record it because we had done Fortune with them. And we wanted them to be in on the production as well with this one, not just engineering. And so it was kind of like a really amazing, unique experience where we were all working together on the production. Um, and our old drummer, Don, you know, he was part of all the tracking and everything. And then at the end of the tracking, he said that he was leaving the band. Um, and... So Seth and Keith were like, wait, we want to join the band. And we said, no, really? (laughs) (laughs) We kind of went back and forth for a while. And then we're like, ooh, this is magic. That is magic. (laughs) Um, Let's hear a a song. Is is all this from the new record? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, Your mic, my mic goes there. What's the name of the song? Antenna. Uh, Antenna. (laughs) Moving microphones and spilling (laughs) bottles. Okay, here we go. Two, three, four. While I come and go, you live out on your own. I never know. Where the mile leave you will be gone. 
Awesome. Thanks. <laughs> um, that was really great. Great voice. Um, so let's talk about the new record. Okay. Great label. How did it? How did it come to be? How did that come to be? Well, um, we met the owners of Partisan actually, uh, Tim and Ian, through um, a few people: Grace Jones. And Shout out to Grace, who I don't actually think I've ever officially met, but have now worked with her for a number She's of years. She's incredible. That's what I keep I hearing. She gets to have the name Grace Jones. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny because I saw she an email. She's actually able to redefine it. I actually saw an email t- uh, today. It was like, anyone going to see Grace Jones? And I was like, this is a really like public email for a publicist. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, or the other Grace Jones. <laughs> so that's how good Grace is at yeah, her job. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and actually through our friends in Y Oak, um, Jen Wozner and Andy Stack, we all kind of were introduced together to them and uh, went from there. That's so great. Um, and what was the, you know, you talked about the recording process, but how has this one differed from the other records that you made? We had, I mean, we had time. We had more time in the studio. Uh, we had most, you know, we had most everything worked out at home and in a kind of blueprint on how to work in the studio but it just gave us that extra boost to really push the studio to his to its limits and that's i think that's what really got the engineers excited and involved and that you know eventually joined the band is we really pushed their studio and and were able to go after the the tones that we really wanted and not compromise it's the first time we've been able to do that and i think it's sonically this is our I mean, you know, sonically, it's the best record we've made. Yeah, with Life of Love, which I'm really proud of, we had very limited, it was such li- limited studio time that one of, that I, I did five of the vocal tracks in one day. We sold our bass studio. drum to to pay for a day of recording. <laughs> yeah, right. there was, so there it was, was very, which is awesome, and I mean, great, it's, it's, great records get made that way. Yeah. There's no way to, like, there's no better or worse. It's just for this one, it was different. I mean, what and what, how did you get more time or did you carve it out or just from well, previous I mean, success? More time for us was like two and a half weeks instead of, <laughs> instead of five days. Yeah, we didn't I have mean, a, it was oh, By not. the way, in my mind, I was like, they had like a year. This no, is so great. No, this Bohemian was, lifestyle. This was, this was two and a half weeks. Yeah, which is really <laughs> which is, luxurious yeah. Yeah. for us as, yeah, as opposed yeah. to, you know, several days here and several days there over the course of a year. This was more like over the course of two months, we had. Two and, two and a half to three weeks where we actually were in the studio working. As opposed to great. six days over a year. That is so great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and now that, and so record comes out, tour on the road? Yeah, we just came back with, uh, we just did a two-week loop with, with Y Oak out to Chicago and back. And we're Who are leaving, also fantastic. Yeah, and we're they're leaving, incredible. We're leaving on uh, Friday for three weeks to go to Europe with Dirty Projectors. Um, uh, you know, small band. <laughs> just a small tour. Actually, we, I saw them play this summer. They played out in Montauk. Oh yeah, and it was oh, they just played the, awesome. they just played the whole new record. Oh, cool. which was really yeah, they're incredible. It was very weird, like the Montauk like scene or whatever that scene is of like bohemian debutante, you know, <laughs> never there, lifestyle. I'd never been there either. <laughs> and then them playing the new record, and I was like, this is just weird. You know, there were like women in like silk dresses, like really that's dressed like, up. That's like you seeing. Didn't you see Shellac in in Martha's Vineyard? Not the yeah, <laughs> I saw Zeta open for Shellac in Martha's. That was pretty rad. That Who was, was and booking it was in Shellac in Martha's Town Vineyard? Hall. Who knows? What year was this? Two thousand five. Oh, okay, so a certain. It's not like this summer. No, no. a certain place in time. 
I saw Shellac this summer. They were they played at Primavera Festival. They were it was packed. Sure. Oh, they're incredible. I mean, really amazing. Just it was like all like dance music and you know techno and thing, and then Shellac. <laughs> And shellac. I haven't <laughs> talked about shellac in, shellac in a long time, but I feel like this is appropriate because every kitchen that I've ever worked around in, in restaurants, yes. man, chefs love shellac. I mean, it's it's good cooking. They I mean, love Steve Albini. Yeah, I mean, they're and they're curating the new um, dude chefs. ATP. Love, let's be clear, yeah. dude dude chefs love shellac. What uh, what type of kitchen work do you do? Oh, I don't do kitchen work. Oh. I've, I've worked We've in worked. in and around bar, you know, oh. fr- front of house stuff all over the place. Oh, okay, you made it sound like. Chopping knives, you know. No, I'm getting no, there. I'll, I'll cut my fingers off. I'm giving a knife. It's, <laughs> it's it's a bad it's a bad look. Um, why don't we hear another? Actually, no. Before we do that, the album art cover, oh. great photo. Thank you. It's really it's a great. Um, strong decision. Yeah. Well, it was it was a last minute decision. Actually, we we had a whole another record cover that we'd spent weeks on, and then the day before it was so much time. <laughs> the, the day the, the day before it was due, I guess the deadline we were given. It was not right. It was terrible. It just was not happening. And um, we managed to get Derek Belgium, who ended up doing our music video and our um, blogotech sessions. He took the photograph. Just We just went to his house. We were there for an hour. He took the photograph. It's really incredible. Is that blogotech section, it up, went up today? It, it went, went up, up today. today. Yep. Congratulations. Thanks. Uh, but yeah, I, Derek Belgium did the cover. He did a great job. It's all right. So how do you know you spent weeks on the cover? Like, what was the feeling that you had that you just like knew it wasn't right? Was it towards the end or like as you were working on it? You're like, this just is something is off. It looked like a zombie movie, movie poster. Yeah. That's basically what it boils down <laughs> That's what it to. Turned it into. looked like a yeah, a terrible throwback vintage zombie movie. Which is B, not B movie poster. What we were going for. Not really what. No, <laughs> I mean to for anyone who hasn't seen the cover. Well, it comes out tomorrow. It's pretty much like you chin down, but yeah. top. But like I don't know what the breastplate above the breast. Yeah. Yeah, just kind of like a really like good tone, and it actually fits the image of the music that you play. Oh, thank oh, you. It's nothing against zombie apocalyptic horror poster, <laughs> but that somehow would lead lead me to a, a different type of. Um, Conclusion. Yeah, yeah. Where you just would you go to bed and be like, well, "This it just one more zombie will finally get it there," or just where you just like all the entire time you're like, mm, "I don't know." It just this. kept going. We kept trying to save it from looking like that, and it just kept going more and more and more in that direction. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. So we just we, we bailed and the, uh, <laughs> you're like, I, "I can't do this." Took them. I mean, it's I mean, to be like, I've seen records that I have absolutely loved, but either the name or the album art cover was just off. Yeah. And the record just didn't do as well as it should have. It's it's amazing how it considering how like true. all the options you have for music these days like it all it's like there's a certain undue pressure on modern artists to like get it right out of the box. Like I mean I'm as <laughs> you can't see that eye roll but it happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, why don't we get another song? Okay. Cool. Um what's this is going to be this uh this setup here. Okay. Cool. All right. Cool. <laughs> Oh, 
What's that smile for? <laughs> I love playing music. <laughs> oh, that's an excellent answer. That's actually the only appropriate answer for for that. So uh, the new record comes out, um, and it's—I mean, it's the sound is really amazing. When you had your um, the engineers now bandmates come and be a part of this, like how much did they influence the record and the, and the process of it? Well, I mean, I mean, outside of like a normal producer, where it's like try this, try that. Because you said you pushed their studio to. Uh... Well, you know, again, we've we've known them for a long time. Um, I've known I've known them for over a decade, and I've done a lot of records there with this band and with other bands. And they know how I know how they work, and they know how I play. And <clears throat> I feel like we we went after a lot of synth-like sounds, but through guitar. Uh, without we use some sense, but most of most of the record is is just made with this guitar actually, and um, we just used like they for, have a, for reference the one you just played right right yeah. <laughs> and they have uh, for instance they have this gigantic actual plate reverb in the basement this huge thing you know it sounds what is that it's a piece of sheet metal basically in a housing mm-hmm. that creates just this classic reverb sound mm-hmm. they have a lot of cool gear there and we just really. I, I described the sounds that I wanted to get for, to, to Seth and Keith, and they helped us kind of make them. It was a, it was a real back and forth process. Yeah, a real sense of I'm sure ownership on their part as well. They're like, we should make sure these uh, sound just as good in here. No, really, out on the for road. real. Yeah, yeah. They 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 that was really important to them because they got really behind the record. So, yeah, I think that was a driving force to to get them on the road. And, and the name Reviver comes from where? the word reviver and um, I was really just getting back into her poetry um, when I started writing the lyrics for the record and it was inspiring to say the least um, she's a genius so when you when you're reading other people's arts or listening to songs you know how do you take that inspiration internalize it and then make it your own like what is your process well I mean with I mean Gwendolyn Brooks said is known for saying that she's 
trying to write about her own personal truths. And that is probably the simplest and kind of the most pointed way of saying of what I was trying to do with the lyrics, what we're trying to do as a band, you know, it's like... Say that again, what does she say? That she's just trying to represent her own... I'm not quoting her verbatim, no, but she's, she's trying to represent her own personal truth. I love that. Yeah. That's actually a great phrase. And then it just all comes from there. And, you know, there's such a power and beauty in her language. There's a rhythm, you know, that exists on her own. Are there any personal truths you, either of you would like to share right now? <laughs> no. <laughs> I know we just met, but we just got, we just got real deep here. <laughs> that could potentially be the most personal question I've ever asked on this show. <laughs> Way to take it there. Uh, yeah, my, my, it's so, all my answers would be so boring. That. Yeah, I, like, I just went over my to-do list for the week. That's all I can think about. Like, yeah. That's all the truths I could give you right now. That's, that's <laughs> all this shit I have to do for you. I mean, so, I mean, you know, tomorrow is uh, Rex Manning Day. Yeah. And uh, how are you guys feeling on the eve of? Uh, well, you know, we're excited. I wish we, uh, we, we need to, you know, hang out and drink a cocktail or something. Yeah. Hey, yeah. It's awesome. Or a hundred. Well, That'd I mean, you're, you're at the right. Maybe the... we'll come back and have a hundred here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's because, I mean, you know, after tomorrow, it's out. So this is kind of like the whole, this is the final day before then it's turned over to the public at well and then it's kind of you know much more of a two-sided conversation I'm yeah oh, I, I love that day I always love that day because the longer that the longer that you know it's it's private as private as can be these days it feels like you still have strange ownership and control issues with it but the moment it's totally public you have to just let those things go so we're excited to usher this go. thing in the, in the world and and Move, move along. Um, so I want to thank you for being on the show. We're gonna get one more song, but um, what are the nuts and bolts? Where can people find you? How do they get a hold of you? Uh, get the record at Collars at Collars Band on Twitter, CollarsBand.com, and oh, I guess I should specify Collars is C A L L E R S, not Collars of oh. your shirt. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which would also be an interesting band name. What type of music would Collars with an O make? Oh, bad. I, I thought <laughs> terrible. I thought like honky tonk country first. I imagined a washboard like instantly, but that's probably yeah. because of that would actually be cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and thank you to Grace. Always thank you to Grace. <laughs> um, true, yeah. Well, she takes care of us very well. Um, and thank you for the both of you for coming on and sharing some personal truths. <laughs> uh, so we will be back next week with another episode of Snacky Tunes, and hopefully Tuesday night we're going to have a special 8 p.m. CMJ. Oh, uh, show, you guys have any shows for CMJ? We're we're gonna be in Europe. Okay, so <laughs> amazing. Au revoir, CMJ. Unfortunately, <laughs> we won't be here for CMJ. Yeah. Um, but you can get all the information. Um, so you're gonna take us out with one more tune. Yeah, I'd say rip a tune, but that doesn't really describe. You're we're gonna, gonna rip well, you guys a tune. I mean, oh, you're, oh, you're, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Rip I you guys corrected. a new tune. You just showed no me a personal what's truth. Your way. <laughs> um, here you go. Thanks for listening to Snacky Tunes. We'll be back next week.
This show is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.